0: Greetings, friends. Good morning. Welcome back to the broadcast. I'm Sean. Website is scriptureandprophecy.com. That's where you go to find the archives, and that's where you go to support this mission of truth. Well, today we're looking to start our week with some wisdom and some encouragement. We're looking at Psalms six and seven today, which really deals with David kind of crying out to the God for crying out to God for mercy. Uh, And it's specifically dealing with the wicked that's come against him. And he kind of makes one of the statements that I've come to favor a lot uh, that we find in the Psalms and the Proverbs, which is this idea that the wicked create all these evil plans, and yet they fall into their own plan. they... They fall into their own pits that they have dug. They, you know, it's kind of like the Mordecai, and Haman situation. Ham in the Book of Esther, Haman uh, builds this th- thing to the, to hang Mordecai on, but at the end of the day, Haman himself was hung on it. And so it's that picture that we see specifically here in Psalm seven. And then uh, we're going to read from. Uh, the epistle of Second Peter, uh, chapter 4 specifically, uh, it's just a one of those timely, I think, uh, timely and important words for us given the world that we're living in and the circumstances that we're living in and the timing that we find ourselves living in. So that's what's on the agenda for this morning. I pray it blesses you. And I pray that your hearts will be pierced and that you will draw even more closer to God as a result. Let us begin. King James Bible this morning. Let's read the first two Psalms here Psalms 6 and 7. Both of them are fairly short. Let's begin. To the chief musician on Niganoth, upon Sheminath, a psalm of David. O Lord. Rebuke me not in thy anger, neither chasten me in thy hot displeasure. Have mercy upon me, O Lord, for I am weak. O Lord, heal me, for my bones are vexed. My soul is also sore vexed, but thou, O Lord, how long? return, O Lord, deliver my soul, O save me for thy mercy's sake. For in death there is no remembrance of thee, in the grave who shall give thee thanks. I am weary with my groaning, all the night make I my bed to swim. I water my couch with tears, mine eye is consumed because of grief. It waxeth old because of all my enemies. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. For the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping. The Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayers. Let all my enemies be ashamed and sore vexed. Let them return and be ashamed suddenly. Please note, there's some really interesting things found in the psalm. You also might have heard something that you've heard before, because Jesus loved to quote from the Psalms when he was speaking. So the first thing we have is David's crying out, saying, God, please don't rebuke me in your anger. Or chasing me in thy hot displeasure, meaning, you know, don't Don't get angry at me and then pour your wrath out upon me. Instead, have mercy on me because I'm weak. Right? We can relate to that. Can we not all relate to that? Please, God, don't, don't judge me. Don't get angry at me. Don't, don't pour your wrath out upon me. Please remember to have mercy on me because I'm a weak person. I'm just, I'm just a human being. Furthermore, do, have mercy on me for your mercy's sake, right? Don't do it for my sake. Do it for your own mercy's sake, he says. Verse 4, return, O Lord, deliver my soul. Save me for thy mercy's sake. And he says, and you know, this is during a time when he's clearly being pursued to be killed, right? And he's like, God, who's going to? What good am I to you if I'm dead? Right, like who's going to praise you from the grave is is what he is the statement that he uses. He says, For in death there's no remembrance of thee, in the grave, who shall give thee thanks? He says, I'm weary with my groaning. All the night I make my bed to swim. Right, it's this idea of just tossing and turning. I water my couch with tears. My eyes are consumed because of grief. It waxes old because of all my enemies. Then, then listen to this. Here's a statement that Jesus has used before. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. So this is to, if, just to remember that, let's go ahead and go to Matthew chapter 7 real quick. And starting with verse 21, so if we go to Matthew 7, verse 21. By the way, this is one of those sections of scripture that really wrecks people's pet doctrines. And I told the story, I'm not going to retell it again, but if you have, I can't remember which, one of my two books. I tell the story where I'm at a basketball uh, thing uh, that I used to go to on Wednesday nights with a group of Christians. And everybody would give a devotional, and I would give devotionals like this. (laughs) like what I'm getting ready to read here, and there was even a pastor amongst the people, and everybody just couldn't handle it. Here's what it says. Not everyone that saith to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and have we not cast out devils? And in thy name done many wonderful works. And then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. There's that part that we just read out of the Psalms. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, right? Let me read it uh, from another version here. The NASB version says this. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter into the kingdom of heaven. But the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Leave me, you who practice lawlessness. People, when I brought this up at the basketball devotional thing, people started to really get fussy about it. Even the pastor was like, oh, that's dealing with non-believers. Rather than continue, I just went back to the game. But in my heart, I was thinking, really? This is to non-believers? Do believers prophesy in the name of Jesus non-believers rather do they even have the power to do that do they cast out demons in his name do they perform miracles in the name of Jesus no Jesus is saying not everyone who says that I'm Lord is going into the kingdom but those who do the will of my father he says many how many is many many means many means many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy, cast out demons, do miracles? And I will declare to them, I never knew you. Now, this isn't the first place where Jesus uses the phrase, I never knew you. We also read about it. Uh, what's coming to mind right now is the parable of the ten virgins. Five are wise, five were foolish. Five enter into the marriage supper five we're not prepared we're not ready they're banging on the door and the bride and the groom says sorry i didn't i don't know you i never knew you it's this picture of intimacy same thing with mary the angel says you're gonna have the christ child she says how's this possible i've never known a man same greek word it's a picture of intimacy Jesus says, Jesus is really get what Jesus is really saying is, yeah, you may have done some of these religious things. But we never had an actual relationship. Furthermore, you're lawless. You don't even obey my father. You don't do any of these things. But the I think the big key takeaway, because we're not this isn't work salvation. The big key takeaway is that you didn't truly know him. He says, but I never knew you. and never had a relationship. Anyway, there's our side study for today. Let's get back to where we were. David says, depart from me, all you workers of iniquity, workers of lawlessness. Here's why you need to depart from me. He says, for the Lord hath heard the voice of my weeping and the Lord hath heard my supplication. The Lord will receive my prayer. Let all my enemies be ashamed, sore vexed, and let them return and be ashamed suddenly. So the, the psalm starts out with David crying out to God, begging for mercy, and ends with him professing faith that the Lord will take care of these issues. And in fact, his enemies ought to tremble at it. Psalm 7 is similar. Let's read that. O Lord, my God, in thee do I put my trust. Save me from all them that persecute me and deliver me. Lest he tear my soul like a lion rending it in pieces while there is none to deliver. O Lord my God, if I have done this, if there be any iniquity in my hands, if I have rewarded evil unto him that was at peace with me, yea, I have delivered him that without a cause is my enemy. Let the enemy persecute my soul and take it. Yea, let him tread down my life upon the earth, and lay my honor in the dust, Selah. Arise, O Lord, in thy anger, lift up thyself because of the rage of my enemies, and awake for me to judgment that thou hast commanded. So shall the congregation of the people compass thee about for their sakes, therefore return thou on high. The Lord shall judge the people. Judge me, O Lord, according to my righteousness and according to my integrity that is in me. O let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end. But establish the just, for the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. My defense is of God, which saveth the upright in heart. God judges the righteous, and God is angry with the wicked every day. If he turn not, he will wet his sword. He hath bent his bow and made it ready. He hath also prepared for him the instruments of death. He adorned, he he ordaineth his arrows against the persecutors. Behold, he travaileth with iniquity and hath conceived mischief and brought forth falsehood. He made a pit and digged it and has fallen into the ditch which he made. His mischief shall return upon his own head, and his violent dealing shall come down upon his own pate. I will praise the Lord according to his righteousness. I will sing praises to the name of the Lord Most High. Verse 9 really resonates with me, given the times that we're living in. David says, Oh, let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end, but establish the just. For the righteous God trieth the hearts and reigns. That is definitely a prayer that is in my heart. Let the wickedness of the wicked come to an end and establish the just. Please, Lord, do something do something look at all the evil that they're doing may they fall into their own pits may the ditches they've dug for us become their graves all right let's move on let's get some wisdom from peter today second peter chapter 4 let's have a look verse 1 For as much then as Christ hath suffered for us in the flesh, arm yourselves likewise with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh hath ceased from sin, that he no longer should live the rest of his time in the flesh to the lust of men, but to the will of God. For the time past of our life, many suffice us to have wrought the will of the Gentiles. When we walked in lasciviousness, that is to say sensuality, lust, excess of wine, revelings, banquetings, and abominable idolatries. So Peter's saying, Peter's talking about we need to Stop walking in the flesh now for because of what Christ has done for us. We shouldn't be walking in the flesh anymore, but we should be walking in the will of God. In the past, we did the will of the Gentiles, right? We walked in lasciviousness. In other words, we walked in sensuality. We walked in lust, excess of wine, partying, and detestable idolatries is what he's getting at. Verse 4. Wherein they think it strange that you run not with them in the same excess of riot, speaking evil of you. Riot there means debauchery. Peter saying, all those other people? All of a sudden, they think it's bizarre, right? They don't understand why you don't now do the same debauchery that they do, and now they speak evil as you as a result. Verse 5. Who shall give account to him that is ready to judge the quick and the dead? The living and the dead. For this cause was the gospel preached also to them that are dead, that they might be judged according to men in the flesh, but live according to God in the spirit. But the end of all things is at hand. Be ye therefore sober and watch unto prayer. And above all things have fervent charity among yourselves: for charity shall cover the multitude of sins. Peter saying the end of all things is at hand. And as a result of that fact, we need to be sober. We need to be sound-minded. And we need to be watching, and we need to be in prayer. So those are are three things that all Christians, especially given the times that we're living in, should be focusing on. Being sober, being clear-minded. Watching for Christ, whose return is at hand. And praying. And then he says there's even something more important than doing that right now. Above all things... Have fervent charity, that's the word love. Have fervent love among yourselves, for love shall cover the multitude of sins. I don't know about you, but I feel like when I look at the world, and even when I look at modern Christianity and mod- the modern church, I'm not seeing any of these things that Peter says we should be exalting. Are people sober, clear minded? Not from what I can see. Are they watching? I mean, really watching? No. What about people's prayer lives? And furthermore, do people love one another? Because what I see on social media and what I see on the comment section of so-called Christians coming to comment sections of people who are trying to feed them the word of God, I see a bunch of arrogance and judgmentalness, the lack of love. Verse 9, use hospitality one to another without grudging. In other words, without complaining. Don't be hospitable to your fellow brother and sister in Christ, but then you're kind of complaining about having to do it. As every man hath received the gift, even so minister the same one to another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. In other words, the multicolored grace of God. Every one of us has received a gift. We should use that to minister to others and be good stewards. We all need to be good stewards of the diversity of gifts that we've been given. If any man speak, let him speak as the oracles of God. If any man minister, let him do it as of the ability which God giveth that God in all things may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom be praised and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing has happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you are partakers of Christ's suffering, that when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. Peter saying, Why are you so shocked? About this thing that's come upon you as a result of your faith. He's saying you should rejoice in it. Because Christ had to suffer. And you get to be partakers in that suffering. And when he is revealed, you're going to be exceedingly glad that you did. That you were partakers of that with him if you verse 14 reproached if you be reproached for the name of christ happy are you for the spirit of glory of god rests upon you and their part he is evil spoken of but on your part he is glorified now here's something that's important because peter is specifically talking about suffering for the name of jesus this is what he's dealing with. He's dealing with people who are being persecuted because of their relationship to Christ. Specifically that. And he's saying there's reward in that coming. But he's going to point out what he's not talking about because a lot of times people like to det- like to attribute their lives and their poor decisions and things of that nature as to oh I'm suffering. And they, I'm suffering like Christ. Peter's talking about suffering for the gospel. Not for your own poor decisions. Okay? Verse 15. But let none of you suffer as a murderer. Or as a thief. Or as an evildoer. Or as a busybody in other man's matters. In other words, meddling in other people's business. Verse 16. If any man suffer as... A Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must begin in the house of God. And if it first begin with us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing, as unto a faithful creator. Peter saying, the end of all things is at hand. And as a result, there's a certain way that we should be living. There's a certain way we should be treating one another. We shouldn't be surprised when we suffer persecution for the faith. We should be sober. We should be watching. We should be praying. We should be loving one another. This is a Christian walk. He's saying, but don't, don't get it confused. Don't suffer as because you've done evil things, or because you've been a thief, or you've meddled in other people's business. Here's an important part to to, to understand. He says. For the time of judgment must begin at the house of God. So before God's judgment pours out on everybody else, God deals with his own first. And then he makes an important phrase here. He says, If it begins with us, what shall be what shall the end be for them that obey not the gospel of God? Like if like if we're gonna get some judgment Because we're not acting right. And it starts with us. How much worse is it going to be for those who have ignored the gospel? Who have not obeyed the gospel? Who have mocked it? Furthermore, if the righteous are scarcely saved. What's it mean to be scarcely saved? It's like this. It means they're just... I mean, scarce is... It's like there's few, right? The righteous are are scarcely saved. Where should the ungodly and the sinner appear? Wherefore, let them suffer according to the will of God, commit to the keeping of their souls to him and well-doing as into a faithful creator. That is... The end of our study for this morning. If the judgment starts with us, and if if we are scarcely saved, then what about them who ignore the gospel? What about them who, who aren't part of that? Where are they going to appear? Thanks for listening this morning, friends. I hope you've been challenged, I hope you've been blessed, I hope your hearts have been pierced, I hope this causes you to want to draw all the more closely to God. Let us be the type of people that Peter described as that we should be when the end of all things are at hand, people of prayer, people of love, right? Sober, minded, and watching. For the return. Peace and grace be with all of you, and until next time, God bless.